0: Hello, thank you for clicking play. If you're passionate about supporting small business, small creators and are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you considered supporting me and the show via Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes where you can join us from as little as £3.50 a month. You'll be supporting the making of the show, enable me to keep the show ad free, get behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Just click the link in the show notes to find out more. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Independent Thinking, the podcast exploring a new era for the high street. We celebrate those who are doing wonderful, creative things in the most difficult of circumstances. We'll be going behind the scenes of businesses and shops you love that you look forward to visiting and that add joy to your high street. I'm your host, Alexandra. Welcome along. In a festive special, I'm delighted to be joined this week by Rory Mellis from Mellis Cheesemongers. Mellis is a special place in so many foodies' hearts, not only in Edinburgh, but also in Glasgow and St Andrews. Particularly at this time of year, when joining the queue outside one of their branches to choose what cheese you're going to finish off the Christmas meal with, has become, for many, synonymous with the beginning of their festive season. They've been providing artisan cheese to customers for over 25 years, so they've gone through so much in business, but it's fair to say this year has been like no other. I talked to Rory about how they've adapted and changed up how they work this year, the importance of connection to their customers, and what difference a mere couple of miles in a city can have on people's tastes. Welcome to the show, Rory. It's absolute pleasure to have you on.
1: No, thanks for having me. Thank you very
0: much. A very busy time for the Mellis family, I'm sure, and for all your all your branches. So, yeah, really, really appreciate your uh, yeah your time this afternoon. And to give everyone a bit of a, a bit of an insight, this is our Christmas uh, special. So, um, actually, very fittingly, I've just had my Christmas tree uh, delivered, which feels very. I feel very in the mood. Like, yeah, yeah. Pete, the Christmas tunes are going. So, it's so a lovely kind of uh, segue into this episode. Um, so. Rory, I'm sure everyone who's listening is very familiar with uh, Mellis and the cheesemongers across Edinburgh, Glasgow and St Andrews, of course. But tell us a little bit more about, if you could touch a little bit about the history of, yeah, how did all, how long you've been going for and, yeah, a bit about the background to Mellis.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm I'm sure Dad's probably going to explain it a little bit better, but uh, yeah, I'll do my best. So it started... uh, well, it, started, it was started by my dad initially. Um, he used to work for the Milk Marketing Board when he left school, um, and then started making cheese in 1979. So quite a few years ago now, um, we he started up in um, started making cheese up in Orkney, uh, and then later kind of moved down to to Inverness, and then down to Chester, and then back up to Edinburgh. Um, and he started the business in 1993. Um, in victoria street which is in the old town now um so he started that going on 20 28 years ago now um about two years later we kind of he opened up uh he got a lot of interest from from glasgow customers and and west coast customers wanting to purchase cheese so his second second branch was over in um over in glasgow in 95 and then that is when uh when my mum came on board actually um so because it's a it's a family-run business she she was a nurse down in chester when they met um and she came into the business when dad uh well when she realized dad wasn't a total loony uh an opening cheese <laughs> he, he, he was a very person to kind of do up in scotland so i think a lot of people were yeah, a lot of people were a little bit. It was a bit of an eye opener. I don't think it was something that was it was well known up here. Um, so she came on obviously when she knew that she was uh, nice and secure uh, with the, with the cheese branch, and then we um, opened up a further further four. Um, so we opened up in Stockwell, oh, Bruntsfield was the third one, uh, which later became Morningside. We opened up in uh, St Andrews, Stockbridge, uh, uh, and Aberdeen um, as well. And then uh, yeah, subsequently closed Aberdeen maybe about three or four years ago and uh, kind of ventured more into the online uh, online and wholesale side of things. So yeah, we've been going about twenty-eight years now. Uh, and I came into the business uh well, I start I started when I was probably about twelve or thirteen. I think one of one of my first jobs was going up and down um well, I was made to go up and down the queue of Glasgow during Christmas, um when the queues <laughs> were the queues are um, I had to go out and give tasters to all the customers when I was about ten, so that was that was one of my first opportunities for the business. And then, um, and then I kind of managed the Morningside store for a while um, after working in the, in the shops after school. Uh, and then I officially came into the business about three years ago now.
0: I see. So yeah, like me, I, I think, as I've sort of outlined in the introductory episode, growing up in and around business as well, it definitely has a big impact on you. Like growing up, whether you're kind of in the shop, like early on, or you're made to go outside and keep the customers entertained. It's like, it's like sort of in the lifeblood of the family, isn't it? It's like a sort of proper, um, yeah. And I think you can really feel that from a family business as well. I think, is that something that's really important to you, that that family that is really you're still really connected with it, like customers really feel that.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's really important um, to have that familiar or for the customers to feel comfortable shopping with you and and to feel that they're they're not only supporting business but supporting the family as well. So, I, yeah, yeah, I, it, it, it's been a big part of the business, and obviously we try and put that across as much as possible by, um, yeah, just you know by by keeping things like relevant and consistent. We're still quite a small team. Um, throughout the company and even just on the social media and branding side of things we try to, to make sure that you know people still realise that we are a family company because at the moment it's only well, it's only myself myself, mum and dad in the business at the moment um as part of the family and my little brother's down in, in London is deafing at the moment so we're still and will always be family run so it's important to try and get that across I think Um
0: Yeah absolutely definitely. people feel connected to you in that way as well and I think I mean, so like you've outlined, though, a huge, I mean, it's been a long journey of like lots of, um, yeah, and learning along the way. And you touched upon um, wholesale being starting to become a big part of your business, which of course, with the impact of um, the closure of restaurants this year, will have, and obviously another, and like other shops that's going to stock you, will have had a huge impact. So. I mean, what a year, 2020! <laughs> if you could, yeah, tell us a bit about because you've obviously never had to close. Oh well, you didn't. You weren't forced to close because you are deemed as a food, oh, you know, seller essential. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about, yeah, how you've had to sort of adapt really quite quickly this year and how that's been for you.
1: Yeah, it was strange. I'm actually, yeah, I've just finished speaking with Dad about how we were chatting about how Cameron, um, my little brother, was down in. well, he's been in London for over a year now. Um. And it just seems to have since March just escalated so quickly. Like everything, everything well, time seems to be going really fast and really slow at the same time. Obviously, um, so it was. Yeah, it was. A bit scary. I think in March we we we, initi- we initially kind of got busier um, in terms of because the queues were a lot longer for the supermarkets. I think a lot of people felt you know safer shopping with a, a smaller shop. I think having that massive amount of people in, in the supermarkets initially scared quite a lot of people. Um, so it kind of allowed us to adapt our range a bit. And we started taking in products that were maybe that we we had maybe not stocked before, or we had stocked like pasta in the past. Pasta. So we changed around our range quite a bit. Um, and we obviously moved the, uh, we moved because we have drivers for our wholesale uh, our wholesale side of the business, um, we we adapted that and we started offering free delivery throughout Edinburgh and Glasgow and, and St. Andrews. So we kind of used used the drivers that, you know, were initially for um, the wholesale trade sector um, to be used for, yeah, reaching customers that probably or otherwise, you know, couldn't get to the shops. Um, so that was, you know, definitely one of the biggest uh, like adaptations that we had to make was switching, you know, switching from, Delivering to your local restaurant on the high street to trying to find a EH45 postcode <laughs> in the, of the road. <laughs> uh, I know. So, yeah. I think a driver's getting a lot of stick for that, but to be yeah, it's, uh, it's a it's definitely a learning curve, and and uh, it's, it's it's actually started to, to prove you know beneficial in the lead up to Christmas when we can start offering people online delivery. So we, we adapted that way, and then we also had this. Um, yeah, we we like I said, we had this massive shift from. Dealing with wholesale trade and chefs over to the general public, and and when I first came on on board, the, the 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 you know the main goal, the principal goal for me was to you know get more trade customers and and deal with you know chefs a little bit more. So in a little way, we had taken our foot off the gas of, of trying mm-hmm. to focus and and like really develop the retail side of things. So I think I think COVID kind of pushed us to to refocusing. Uh, on helping and just kind of providing for our retail customers a bit more and it's and it's kind of what you know part of the reason it's', it's such an exciting business is because you all of your 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 retail and your loyal and your regular customers are they're kind of what makes the atmosphere in the shop so um that was a, it was it was kind of a, a blessing for us in a way that we had to mm. adapt a lot of our our processes and we had to kind of streamline um even the admin side and things the admin side got so much that we were having to the emails that we were the email system we were on was was so bad they were you know we had to we had to change that during covid but you know everything kind of it, it happened for the better in in a way that it kind of made us sit up and kind of straighten our backs a little bit and uh and just relook really at the yeah the, the the way that we were working so not not all not all doom and gloom
0: And have you enjoyed, have you enjoyed, I mean, obviously it's been a very, very difficult time in so many ways, but have there, has there been an element of you obviously being relatively new to the business in terms of your role? Did you kind of relish that challenge a bit and thinking, okay, right, how do we adapt this? How can I take this on? How do I switch things up a bit? Did you enjoy that a bit or was it incredibly stressful?
1: (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love the kind of, uh, I love the buzz and the kind of, the, the feeling of being busy is, is something I absolutely adore. So it's the no, I I really to, to I I loved being able to change around the range and uh, deal with all these new customers. And I thought it was it was a, a really I don't think any sort of and like no change is bad change for me. And I think it's quite uh, I think yeah I think it was beneficial for us to, or for myself as well to to sort of have that change and being you know forced into doing something you're not used to. Um, so I, I I love that side of things. I did the. We did when we're adapting the range, I spent a lot of time reading. I don't know if you've heard have you ever seen the J.R. Sainsbury's book? It's uh, it's called No the Best Butter in the World. It's a it's a really good book. It's my that one dad gave it to me. It's all about how J.R. Sainsbury's obviously he started off as a provisions and, and dairy merchant. Um and then obviously growing to, to the Sainsbury's they are now, but it kinda of takes you through uh, takes you through the times and, and the the kind of the most prominent you know, part and, and what made J.R. Sainsbury's what he was, was post-war and he had to cater to the masses of people with rationings. And um, after, you know, after there was quite a, a lot of food shortages. So after, like during COVID, it, it kind of felt almost post-war. Well, for me anyway, it kind of felt mm-hmm. maybe being rationing, not allowed to go out. Um, so I read a lot of that and I started doing a lot of the branding based off kind of, Old old school posters of J.R. Sainsbury's. So I, I I loved kind of changing.
0: Oh wow!
1: Essential goods as well. So I think no, that was it. Was a fantastic. It was it was difficult. Uh, well, it still is quite quite a challenging time. But um, yeah, I think back in it, you know, March through to August, it was uh, yeah, it was good fun. I think most people probably wouldn't describe. It fun, but <laughs> I, I, I I really enjoyed being able to adapt and and kind of change around arrange a little bit
0: yeah that's really interesting I, I love the idea of like looking back to similar times in history and particularly in food and it's i think that's a re- yeah it's really interesting it's a really interesting take on it actually like you, yeah how can we learn and how can we adapt and do what they did in when they were more stretched i think
1: that's really interesting I think every generation is going to have that sort of that side of things i mean um and we're actually we're chatting with them about the time when everyone thought they were going to Everyone thought they were going to start. No one was going to eat food anymore, and they were just going to survive off of tablets. It was when it was when <laughs> they, were, they were chatting about having the, because everyone wanted to go to the moon and, and, and in space. They thought that everyone was going to start living off of um, off little tablets, and then obviously the generation before that, you had the war, and I think every generation does have this sort of this event that does change. You know the, the way that we adapt and how we have to change, and sometimes mm. you know for the for the worse, and but sometimes it's quite it's quite a positive thing as well.
0: Mm. And it's interesting to see what's what ideas stick because I think there was a time when, think in the sixties and seventies, they thought, well, what are we going to do in the twenty first century? Well, we'll have nothing to do because all the robots will be doing all our jobs, and actually, well, like I think people are working harder than ever. <laughs>
1: No, I know. Well, the have said that. I was just on. I actually drove back. I uh, was driving back from Glasgow today, and uh, my my car started saying that I had an email, and <sighs> like speaking to me, and uh, it was it was Cortana or something like Cortana, and and she she started she started reading my emails to me, and asking me what I was wanting to what would I like to reply, and, oh I, like it. and I said to Dad I was like, this is, you know that you know it makes my life a lot easier because I'm not having to. Stop every ten minutes and answer emails, but at the same time, I was—I was—it <laughs> was quite scary with the pace of technology, even—even even for me.
0: Oh, it's terrifying! You touched a bit about, um you know, evolving that uh, your your kind of um, offer, your product range, and yeah. we can touch a bit on that. But I'm really curious to see how you curate your your collection you kind of collection of cheeses or your, the cheeses yeah. that you you stock um can you tell us a little bit how you do that and how you kind of build up those relationships with the people who the makers that you you stock
1: yeah um so i i, I think well initially building up uh, i think building up the brand back for dad was a little bit more difficult but i think i think mm. i think nowadays because there's such a, a wide vast of cheese makers we we, we get a lot of um products uh, or or cheeses popping up to us you know through through them telling us about it you know wanting to get on board so initially like we we create a range of roughly of 90 to 100 that's our cheese kind of range Uh there how many we can hold at one point um so we tend to sort of we, we we just go on what sells well we've always been one for Listening to the customer, and if a customer, you know, if one customer says you need to get this cheese and you need to get this cheese, and that's fine, I, I can under, yeah, I understand. And then another customer says you need to get this cheese and you need to get this cheese, and then we we well, have to listen. So I think as, as much of it is us going in and selecting the cheese. A lot of the time, we we you know you have to listen to the general public, and you do have to sort of listen to to what they like. And and the way we do it is we 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 bring in you know we bring in a small quantity of the cheese we distribute it to our five shops and you know, if it, if it sells well and the customers really like it, then, then we bring another batch in and we sell it. And I, I, th- I think the the one thing we, we loved we, or me and my family love to try different cheeses. So I don't think we go out there with just specific, like a specific cheese we need to have, or it needs to be this milk and it needs to be raw. We, we, we just like trying different things. And if the, you know, if our customers really like it, um, then mm. it just naturally molds into the range, and then you know before you know it, you end up at 120 cheeses, and you have to start cutting some. So it's, okay. it's, uh, it it kind of goes up and down, and it goes obviously with the season. So when the when the spring when the springtime starts coming back again, then obviously we start buying a lot more fresh, lactic goats cheeses, um, and then mm. the summer winter rolls round, and we start getting in the breeze and the and the cheddar start tasting really nice again. So we kind of adapt with the seasons and adapt with the months because obviously animals, you know, farmhouse and artisan animals don't, they don't produce milk all year round unless, you know, they're being constantly fed and they're in, in, uh, indoors, which is, which is not kind of the ethos of the brand. So we try and shop or we try and buy from as many local, uh, farm farmers and, and cheesemakers as possible. So they tend to, they tend to have a series, uh, like a season and a period of milking that suits them, and we kind of have to yeah. adapt with change around the range, you know, monthly sometimes weekly, which is always a good challenge. We we we, we can't be too selfish to say we know everything about you know every single, single thing about cheese. If the customer, if a few customers or you know a restaurant is looking to take on a cheese, and we're we're quite happy to sort of try it experiment if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if it does then fantastic so yeah all about kind of trying to listen to the customer as much as possible
0: and are we in a sort of a a good time for cheese like are we, is there a lot of like interesting stuff stuff happening are there kind of like you say there's sort of um you said there's you know, people coming on and you being adding new things to the range and actually thinking gosh, we're already, you know, we're thinking, oh, we're already got a, a huge kind of range. We might have to cut it. Is there is there lots of wonderful people to choose from now than maybe there wasn't back in the earlier days?
1: You you wouldn't believe like there's 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 an insane amount of cheese out there. It's um, it's, it's I, I mean in terms of British Isle cheesemakers, you're probably talking maybe. You know, 90 or 100 cheese, small scale cheese makers which is still a lot for a small country uh, but yeah when you start crossing that border over to France and Spain and Italy wow. um, there's countless out there, countless different variations countless sizes, there's thousands to choose from so um, th- yeah in terms of like there's a lot more Scottish cheese makers I will say popping up um, and they have developed their range to suit us a little bit as well which is which is always really flattering as a as a customer um, from a cheesemaker to 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 us. Like being able to, I think our, our, I think the main the main point of having such a close relationship with the cheesemakers is that we can say to the local cheesemakers that this is where the gap in the market is, and this is what you should be producing. Yeah, um, and it allows them to take on a bit more business, and also it keeps the range a little bit more local. So. Yeah, I think it's like, especially you know, the, the cheesemaker to to supplier um, relationship for us is is always so important um, for us being able to sort of adapt and, and and you know even curate new cheeses ourselves. So I think that's um, yeah a, de- a definite focus point.
0: Yeah, are there are there specific trends that have kind of emerged? Are there things that have become much more kind of hip people <laughs> in cheese now or, or maybe things that are are look really passe like are there some things that I think oh gosh you know wouldn't sell that
1: that bomber is obviously top top in the list of, of uh, most asked for cheeses in the shops uh, and the oh. Nor- the Norwegian uh, Norwegian fudgy cheese but I think it's yeah there's there's not always a lot of I think I think probably the trend at the moment is farmhouse which is obviously you know is, is really mm. good trade but I think I think the trend is maybe maybe moving away from big scale production cheesemakers to to moving to farmhouse products and and I, I think like I've, I've grown up in a generation of social media um, and more so now that you can you can you can tell the kind of you know the young the kind of younger generation at my age up to you know 35 40s they they're more interested in where, where their food is coming from. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that probably is just driven by, you know, it's just, it's just driven by the amount of exposure that's now there on and, and how accessible it is to find out information about, you know, cheese makers and where they're from online. So I think the, I think the big trend in cheese at the moment is actually buying local and buying farmhouse products, which is, which is always a good thing because, um, yeah, you're kind of supporting the economy around yourself, which is really lovely. Yeah,
0: I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I'm also really curious about the different branches. And are there things that sell differently in different areas of Edinburgh or different parts of the country, or do people kind of shop differently? And, and yes. how how do they shop?
1: Yeah, it's really strange. I mean, the kind of the the most interesting way to well, way to view it for me is, is always comparing the kind of Edinburgh shops because people in mm. stock buy completely different cheeses to people up in Morningside and then <laughs> the Morningside buy completely different cheeses to the guys in uh, in the grass market. So, like, even in the space of, well, what's Edinburgh now, well, five mile from Stockbridge to maybe even, not even that, mm. five, four or five, three or four miles between Stockbridge and Morningside, there's... A massive difference in what people buy which is always really interesting to me um so yeah i think uh, people up in, in in morningside tend to go uh, they're big gorgonzola lovers uh and then blossom and the softer cheeses sell so really well down in uh in stockbridge and then obviously you've got the grass market which uh basically is just you know any any form of Scottish cheese, because um, obviously there's a, there's a lot of tourists there, so we get asked for a lot of Scottish cheese. So it, it even even having three locations in such a small um, small radius of each other, it's it's quite drastic in how you know w- what the difference is. Um, but I I also think that's a lot to do with uh, you know the, our cheese, our staff, and a major you know a key factor in in, in in the business. And I think. They've got a huge driving uh, force behind what sells and what doesn't. I think, uh, you know, if, if if you've got a staff member who absolutely loves, um, you know, sitting at farmhouse cheddar, they'll just sell that every single day. So, I think uh, a lot a lot of it's based off you know staff's flavour and 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 staff's personal preference, which is always quite interesting because part part of the reason that you know it does vary so much is because well, before pre COVID we were we were giving out tasters to the to the customer and that's, you know, let the customer decide what it tastes like and whether they want to buy it or not. But um, I think that's obviously, it plays a big part in, in being able to, what, well, having, you know, different cheeses sell in different locations.
0: Yeah, because I guess, I mean, the staff are really one of your best assets, aren't they? Because they're so knowledgeable. And I feel like you could go in not knowing anything and be like signposted to make a whole cheese board, you know, with your with, with recommendations that you give. But I guess, yeah, they've had to be a little bit tested this year because, of course, without tasters, they've had to maybe explain taste more to maybe to the customers or, yeah.
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, my 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 dad hates that. <laughs> yeah, I could if you ever... If he, ever, if he ever goes into it and hears people describing cheese, he just yeah, just a disappointed look. It's just it's one of these things. That before uh, you know, you you have to taste it to know whether you like it or not. And I think that's mm-hmm. the beauty of, of having you know the cheese bench that's there for customers because that that's that, that's that's the reason I think it's such a lovely experience to walk into a small place like you know one of our shops is being able to taste the product before you buy it's not a lot of places you can do that um but and yeah and, f- and for the people who are not as articulate like me and being able to describe things it's really difficult. So being able to hand over a you know hand over a or present a knife with a bit of cheese on it, it kind of it, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit um yeah my dad, my, i mean we've, all, we've always said that it's it's quite animalistic you know sharing your food with someone and you kind of break down that that kind of awkward barrier um once you've kind of given that taste i think a lot of people feel comfortable and trust you so i think i think a lot of that goes down to kind of you know previous times and it's quite animalistic but it's a it's a great way of shopping for sure
0: it is, and there's almost a sort of showmanship to it as well, isn't there? when you sort of get that amazing knife out and you kind of hand somebody it. it's like that can't happen in a telescope. M- yeah. do you know it's like I you you actually see it's not all shrink wrapped either it's like I see it, I can smell it it's it's really sensory isn't it, which is really tricky when we've all got face masks on obviously we need to, do, but it's a very sensory experience shopping for cheese
1: yeah, hugely I think I think that has that has definitely changed you know change the way that people approach the shop you can't taste the cheese and you, you're not really supposed to it's it's not acceptable or you know socially correct and i pull down your mask and, and and eat and yeah unfortunately that side of covid has had a negative effect on just staff staff and customer relations but i for the most part like we I also haven't, I haven't worked in the shops that much during it but obviously they've got a very close-knit team and and they seem to they seem to be adapting really well to that that problem aspect of of covid um and for the most part it seems that the staff and customer relationships have actually just gotten stronger since a lot more people have started shopping local so yeah there's been a big sort of local support and and i think the staff have really appreciated you know people just coming in and being nice and chatting so i still think that uh, yeah i think it has brought a lot of people quite almost closer together in a way
0: definitely yeah And I wonder as well like I, I know myself I've I've kind of gone back to old faithfuls in cheese like I've kind of thought well if I can't taste this and that then I'll be like right I know this this and this is a sure bet, and I know that I'm going to get a cracking you know I don't know whatever I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm, I can't think of any cheese but you know <laughs> like a Isle of Mull like whatever you know, cheddar I thought right I'll go for that um yeah and it, and it is so important that interaction you get and it can be the only interaction that somebody gets all day, like at this t- at this time. You know, it could be speaking to the shops or the person in the, the cheesemonger. So so yeah, it's that connection so important. For sure.
1: I think I think so, yeah. And like, even even in the start, like having that um when we were operating the one one in one out policy, mm-hmm. um, I mean I, I would have I would have loved to have not known cheese at all and walked into a shop surrounded by cheese and there was no one else in it bar you and the cheese monger. <laughs> Like, dream come true you must feel like Willie he wants it like if you were to, <laughs> if you, like, it, it, it must have been a great experience to have all of that to you mm. and always because sometimes it can be you know so like it can be quite busy especially on the weekends and sometimes you you you, you go for you go for your favorites and you go for your you know your old faithfuls because because you you're kind of you, you almost feel pressured because there's quite a lot of people in the shop, and you kind of wanted to to get out. Mm. Whereas when when it a lot of happened, I think a lot more people just went in and they went, you know what? Like I'm going to spend five minutes in here because I want to chat to somebody, and I don't get out a lot, and I can try and try other cheeses that I wouldn't usually get. Mm. And I think that that definitely sort of opened a lot of people's eyes to maybe some of the, the varieties of cheese that we we never had, or even some of the variety of products that we never had because you just had this, it was like walking into a big cold store room and no one was in it. It was, it must've been fantastic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know that special, like one-to-one service. So I, I guess, you know, we cannot, we cannot be in a Christmas style episode and we can't talk about, uh, <laughs> Mel's without thinking about Christmas and the, the, yeah. I mean, for me that, I mean, I, I worked in one of your shops for a very, like it was a Christmas, um, temp position. And, it was amazing to me how like it's just the sheer volume of cheese that was just going through that door. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about the planning that that takes and how you approach Christmas as a brand and as a company, I guess.
1: Just Starting earlier and earlier every year for sure. Uh, we we tend to, well. I it, again, we're quite a small team, so I tend to start planning June, July is kind of when my head starts turning to Christmas. Um, and I, I, I've got a lot of stages in the head, so I, I, I mean, I'm obviously not going to bore you with it, but we, would, we, we tend to approach, obviously, the um, what we're going to sell, how long the shops are going to be open for. There's a lot of different aspects of, you know, we've got to figure out how much quantity to bring in and almost predict what people are going to buy. Um, so I think that's a major part of it. Especially with the restaurants closing this year, we had to sort of predict on last year's sales. Are we going to take in this much Stilton, for example? Considering X, Y, and Z have shut down and they're not operating delivery. However, it might be busy on retail, and we might be busy online. So mm-hmm. there's all these kind of like weird, kind of weird factors you have to, you know, kind of factor into when planning Christmas, and then, and then we just kind of we've got to start building together rotors, um, kind of. Section plans, starting to think about what Christmas range we're going to have, uh, how many drops we're going to, uh, how many delivery drivers we're going to put on this year, and and uh, and just you know figure out the, the, all the rest that goes with it. So it, it starts in starts in July. Um, we have our we've decided our kind of range and what we're going to take in by kind of end of August, let's say, um, and then the first kind of Christmas meeting we tend to hold in October for all the managers. Um, and then from then on we start building the shop orders together and, um, and then have a sort of a secondary meeting with the managers and then start thinking about how to, uh, a secondary meeting kind of like beginning in November and then, and, and then, yeah, it's just building rotors and, and, uh, figuring out, especially with COVID shop layouts is a big one. <laughs> and then, uh, And then opening hours, and then that's just before we've kind of touched on how we're going to get, uh, what range are we going to put online and how much promotion we're going to do throughout, you know, December. And then figuring out that weird, kind of, that weird in-between phases with Christmas and New Year. (laughs) Um, And then with Brexit coming up as well, we're kind of, that's now at the forefront of our head and we're not even through Christmas.
0: Goodness me, I know. Because how much lead-in time do you need to, like... Like for example, like say with Stilton," obviously a Christmas classic. Um, yeah, how much lead-in time do you need to kind of tell like your suppliers? Because the Colton Bassett, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Colton Bassett. It varies. Like a lot of suppliers are happy to receive their orders, you know, as and when. But it's more it it's more beneficial for us to give our pre-orders and predictions over as early as possible because I think what a lot. Of don't realise. Mm-hmm. For example, let's just take Baron By God, the, the Suffolk Brie. It's like three between four to five week age cheese. So when you think about how it has to be ripe for Christmas, a lot of you know a lot of Fen Farm Johnny and uh, and Dulce's um, production is actually finished in November. So they have to start making mid November. And that's quite a short scale, you know, cheese. When you think of Stilton, at times it can be from like two to three months old. So you've got to start production, you know, October, November for it to be ripe and ready. Because every every cheesemaker wants their cheese to be on top condition for the busiest week of the year, which is between the 20th and the 27th, or the 18th and the 25th. So I think that the more you build back, you kind of realize, okay, well, I need to be getting these orders into the cheesemaker as early as possible. And then when you go to the likes of um, St. Andrew's Farmhouse Cheddar, for example, her cheddar is 12 months old. So if we suddenly have an increase of 200%, definitely don't, if we had an increase of 200% uh, in orders, then she needs to figure out, she needs to almost pre planned that a year ago for her cheese to be right. So there's Oh my already- God! <laughs> I think, obviously, I think that definitely has kind of, shocked a few older like um, kind of um, more aged cheeses uh, cheesemakers because they have had to have made their stock 8, 9, 10, 12 months ago when Covid wasn't even a thing so um, yeah we tried to give us yeah long story short we tried to give as much notice to the cheesemakers as possible so that they can they can make what we require and then we know that it's been ordered and that's how much we have in and allocated and set aside for the shop so yeah, earlier the better.
0: Oh gosh. gosh. Um, so tell us a bit about your own shopping then and about um independence that you enjoy shopping uh, with around or is there anyone around that you kinda of take inspiration from in the food industry or like in food and drink that you think are doing really wonderful things?
1: Yeah, I I think there's a lot out there. I mean I I, I live in Edinburgh myself, so I, I think um I think there's quite a few food, food and drink companies that are doing, doing really well and having to adapt. I think one maybe, I, I before obviously lockdown happened, I spent uh, quite a bit in uh, in Bramble, the bar in such a, a, week, a cocktail bar in um, Queen oh. Street, and I started getting into the cocktail.
0: Gorgeous, yeah.
1: Co- we we uh, James is working quite uh, like close beside me. He's uh, he used to work at work there and he kind of took me the, into down down under the laundry and into into this kind of uh, <laughs> was, uh, yeah very cool and i, I think they've unfortunately that they, i didn't get to experience it that that much before march hit but they're doing a lot of takeaway cocktails um and i think what well, all of their their premises are and i think that's that's a very cool thing um little chart room they've done yeah incredibly smashed it you lockdown i think they've uh, yeah, I think I think I think a lot of local businesses, um, food businesses, have, have have really had to adapt, and so I think it's incredible to see. Yeah, I think it's incredible to see how quickly they've adapted and and what offerings they can do. But yeah, the two that I kind of ordered from quite a lot was the was the the mothership and the and little tartan as well
0: yeah a little chart room have done wonderful things with adapting to the pop up they've got in Portobello beach as well
1: yeah yeah it was it was I, I went down there quite a bit and got some uh, lobster rolls in there no they they did um yeah, they've they, they adapted really well and i think um yeah first, i mean you would definitely have to quite a small place and uh I got small premises in Leith. so um yeah I think the last time we obviously throughout lockdown we we still had that sort of relationship side with uh with the shell, so um it was good to to kind of get out of the warehouse a bit and go and chat to them see what they were doing and how they were adapting and um yeah because we were still supplying on them some scale um but no they've 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 done really well i I think uh,
0: yeah really exciting and i I think roberta is doing some really cool stuff with bros bagels and it's just some really interesting collaborations that are happening around food and drink in edinburgh as well it's a really tight community isn't it
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, the, yeah, Ross definitely, you know, one of the ones at the forefront of uh, the food scene at the moment in Edinburgh. And I think, um, yeah, no, it's, it is amazing to see, you know, businesses who might have otherwise been rivals or competitors now teaming up, which is, which is always, uh, always something I, you know, consider in such a small city. But I think a lot, a lot of, a lot of the support and the community, like my brother was a chef up here for, uh, you know, a couple of years. And I think the community, you know, especially around the hospitality sector is, is so close knit. I mean, you know, you know, you know, you know, one chef, you tend to know four or five others and, and, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic environment to work. And I think the, like, that's what really struck me about the wholesale side of the business when I came on three, four, two, two, three, um, years ago was the, The camaraderie and the tight you know the the close net of the hospitality sector is is not something you experience very often um which is yeah fantastic part of i think
0: yeah yeah and i think it's interesting because i think there's a real exacting standards that chefs have as well i think that really push you as a as a producer and as a as a retailer i think in a really interesting way
1: exactly yeah i mean i i yeah it's still as a supplier i still uh yeah, it, I know. I know it's all banter, but they still push you. Um, so I'm sure, <laughs> it, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they mean well. It's all love, and it's what the ducks back. But I'm uh, no. I, it, it's it's fantastic. Uh, it is a fantastic environment. But yes, yeah, you do have to have. You've you've got to be fairly quick witted. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean. If- yeah, professional kitchens—they're uh, they can be tri- tricky places. I think, yeah, yeah, you've got to have your wits about you. I think. Um, but could you tell us a bit about what is? Um, we'll finish up today by thinking about what is f- on the horizon then for you and for the company and for what's in the pipeline. We we we've um, we mentioned just before a, a recording today. We're talking about the Cheese Lounge and one that you've got in Morningside and that lovely mm-hmm. offer you had of people sitting down, enjoying a glass of wine with a beautifully put together board of cheese um is yeah. that something that you, you're gonna we can look forward to in future and what other things we can yeah people look forward to from you
1: yeah um no i think that's that's what well, we, we started the cheese lounge in um 2017 Eight, 18 so i said it's, it's going on three years now um i used to live in you know in madrid um for for a year just on my um my Erasmus when I was studying before I packed in cool. you know, uh, the, I, I, that sort of side of, you know, the, the, the side of, of the, the industry, the hospitality and the, the being able to sit down casually and have a plate of cheese and a glass of wine without, you know, having to book a table and stuff that really appealed to, to myself and my dad. So, um, yeah, that, that, that cheese lounge in the back of Morningside is, is really taken from strength to strength. Um, and then of late we've just, the manager in there now is, yeah, come from a hospitality background, and it was uh, it kind of you know opened our eyes to show how little we knew of hospitality until uh, until you know she came on board. But it was you know it's it's, it's starting to you know pick up and get quite a lot of um, a lot of trade, and especially on, you know Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I think the future is quite. I think we want to develop the Cheese Lounge side of things as the brand more. Um, so perhaps mm. opening up a more. Um, maybe in Edinburgh. um, There's already plans uh, to open up a cheese lab in Glasgow um, next year, hopefully, Mm. and then kind of maybe diversify into, yeah, kind of the restaurant bar side of things. Like I I mentioned before, my little brother's down in London at the moment, um, chefing. So I think, you know, we're keeping as a a family company. I I, I still think he'll come up and and do something alongside me um, in the next year or so, uh, and then maybe just you know we, we've been selling quite a lot of wholesale trade down to England and and Manchester this year, um, ah. so venturing venturing down to England and perhaps you know I'm I'm quite happy at the moment doing um, the wholesale from all, all from Edinburgh in our in our warehouse in, in Leith, but I think you know in the in the next year year and a bit maybe potentially looking for sh- for for storage units and uh, warehouses down in in the kind of like in between you know manchester and edinburgh sort of side of things so yeah lots of lots of uh there's there's never a dull moment especially when your dad is behind (laughs) you he's he's always he's always ideas man and uh he's he's constantly driving 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 ideas in and so yeah i think for as long as dad's still about it'll be it'll constantly be developing but i think uh and yeah, in the next year, definitely the, the kind of focus is on, you know, opening up a, a couple more, a couple more bars or restaurants. So that's exciting, definitely.
0: Really exciting. Yeah. God, yeah. And people just, oh God, I can't wait to just have a glass of wine outside. <laughs> just, maybe someone else can clean the glass.
1: I don't know about you, but I definitely miss that kind of, you know, I never thought I was a very sociable person until, you know, COVID happened. Uh, and then I realized how much I do miss going out and having a glass of wine or just a chat or a coffee without having to, to, to put a mask on. But it is necessary, I suppose, in, in, in these times. I just hope uh, I hope it eases up you know, for, for everyone's sake and you know, especially for the hospitality sector um, at some stage next year so that we can get back to some sort of normality.
0: Lots to look forward to yeah, and just being around strangers. Even just being around people I don't know in a bar, I think that's also quite like I think I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were like, "I just miss being around humans. Like I don't even miss being around friends. I just want to be around people I
1: don't know." Like no, it, it's, it's really, I mean, even even when the bars in that world open, it, it's uh, so much of so much of the bar is is um, going up, having a pint, and accidentally spilling half of it on a stranger, and then becoming best mates. <laughs> Like that's not all gone now because even you know even the table service side of things is, is you know I, funny enough like before the, the, you know the table side service side of things for us when we were operating through covid um it, it also meant like that it meant business had to increase the amount of staff that were on because no longer were the mm-hmm. people coming to the bar they were having to go to them <laughs> so you know when you had a full when you had a full uh full premises you actually had to increase more staff um, but no it's a, it's a funny one I don't much yeah I do miss I, I do miss uh, the kind of the camaraderie and that that you do get in a pub or a bar at the moment
0: Totally miss some normality um, so before we finish up then could you tell us what's on your cheese board then for this Christmas and obviously and you, and I'm sure you love all the cheeses equally but <laughs> like, like children but
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have one more than the other, but uh, definitely, uh, oh, um, what's on my cheek? If I'm being truthful, it's it's usually uh, it's usually a text on the 24th, usually about 5 o'clock, and it's usually says text, whatever left, just pick it up and take it in. But I think <laughs> like, usually that's the case, but I think this year maybe I'll be a little bit different with mum and dad staying home a bit more, so... Uh, Christmas cheese board. I will always put Stilton on there. Um, I think it's such a classic uh Christmas cheese. Uh and it's so good at this time of year. Um I would go we've got a new one in called Durris Oak, which is like a it's like a wash rind right cheese from County Cork. It's the same people who make Doris, but they wrap they wrap it in paper that's got Porsche holes in it, so it ages more like a Reblichon. on. So it's not as, oh. it's actually a lot food, but creamier, but not as, yeah, not as powerful. It's super delicate. It's really nice. Then I'm enjoying St. Andrew's Farmhouse cheddar at the moment. I think that's a really, yeah, I think that's a brilliant, well-balanced cheese. Um, so I would definitely put that on there. And then Valdeon or something quite strong. So like a Valdeon's a sheep milk, a mixed milk cheese um, wrapped in, uh, wrapped in vine leaves. So uh, yeah. A kind of a balance of food. I wouldn't necessarily go you know any much more than that and get some quints on there as well but you never know like dad will probably have his own wee his own wee cheese board in his head and uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll I'll follow suit.
0: <laughs> some excellent suggestions there thank you and in terms of being all COVID friendly are there people best to look online to check how many people can be allowed in store that kind of thing plan ahead a bit should they check out on your social media?
1: any of our social media accounts or website will tell you what's going on we are suppose we've you know we we're, we're allowing three customers max uh, or three three households into the shop at one time in all the units apart from St Andrews uh, who are having two um and then we're you know we're doing pre-orders right up until the 24th and we're offering free delivery in um in Edinburgh right up until the 24th Christmas eve um next day delivery so yeah, we're trying to cater to as many people as possible. We understand that there's quite, you know, there's always going to be that um, difficulty to get out of the house, especially now. So, um, yeah, we'll do as much as, you know, as much as humanly possible to keep the queue down and to keep people happy. And then, uh, yeah, so we can all have a, a good Christmas at the end of the day.
0: Thank you so much, Rory, for your time this afternoon and just for like taking us through yeah, the, the planning and, and your your year so far and, and uh, yeah, what Christmas is going to look like for you, so yeah, thank you so much
1: yeah, It's been a pleasure, it's been nice to get out of the office for about an hour and uh, take my mind off meetings, but Thank you very much
0: If you've enjoyed today's episode please consider rating the show writing a review or telling a friend it really helps us to be discovered by other like-minded listeners you can also follow us on instagram at independent thinking podcast where you can get sneak peeks of our next guest this series we're focusing on businesses based in and around edinburgh with future series focusing on other towns and cities across the country if you know of an independent business that we ought to know about and other people deserve to know about too then let us know bye for now Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did and you want to support me to continue to make the show, I would love it if you became a patron by clicking the link in the show notes. From as little as the price of a coffee a month, you'll receive behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Click the link in the show notes to find out more or head to patreon.com slash independent thinking. Bye for now.